0: Welcome to Into Security, InfoSecurity Magazine's podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to episode four of the Into Security podcast from InfoSecurity Magazine. I'm Dan Ray with the Contributing
0: Editor. And Michael Hill here, Acting Editor. Delighted that you've joined us for this episode of our podcast series. So as ever, we're going to kick things off with a look back at some of the hot and and, and big news stories of the last week or so. Uh, Starting today with an interesting piece of news... Um, there's a bit of research carried out by Trend Micro regarding um, surveillance cameras and they, 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 they announced that they were able to block five million attacks on IP surveillance cameras in just a five-month period. Um, so they analyzed 7,000 anonymous uh, IP cameras and discovered that IP surveillance industry is facing high numbers of attacks. Uh, interesting, the, um, the research showed that of the attacks that, that, that Trend Micro blocked, 75% were Bruce Fault logins uh, attempts. And uh, Trend Micro actually stated there was a clear pattern of malicious attackers using IP surveillance devices with common malware, such as uh, Mirai uh, variants. It's an interesting piece of research again I think it highlights the the issue of surveillance devices is obviously uh, very common in, in businesses to be using these type of devices but obviously I think the issue that's coming to light now is some of them are very old um, and obviously there's a lot of um, security issues there um, Oscar Chang, who is Executive Vice President and Chief Development Officer for Trend Micro, said more verticals are being um, are seeking connected, AI-powered video surveillance applications causing a clear paradigm shift from a relatively closed off network to a more interconnected network operated heavily by cloud-based technologies. Due to this shift in the landscape, manufacturers and users must pay attention to the security of these IoT devices. I think there's very much a, a feeling that um, the manufacturers of, of surveillance devices really haven't really got, got security in their front of mind yet. Quite interestingly, just a few weeks ago, uh, June 20th, was Surveillance Camera Day, um, and there was uh, various discussions being held on that day, uh, discussing um, the role that surveillance cameras play in society now, uh, looking at the uh, evolving technology and kind of assessing the, the benefits and and the risks. So maybe it's a topic that is starting to come to the fore a bit, and maybe there's a lot of work to do with regards to securing these, you know, CCTV and. Um, IP um, surveillance devices.
1: Yeah, agreed. Like we saw the the Mirai or Mirai, I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, malware from a few years ago. I can't remember the exact year, but the uh, that's only kind of is still going around. Most malware doesn't go away. And the fact is, you know, they they are still built to a standard. These cameras, I presume. So nothing's kind of there. They think, oh, one thing went wrong. Let's build these to a completely different model. That's that's not going to happen. So it, it's kind of a persistent story. So. Yeah, and I I did enjoy uh, National Surveillance Camera Day. Is is that for people who want more of them, or people who uh, are trying to raise awareness of them, or a bit of both, so they come together on June the 20th and do that. So, Anyway, the second story we're going to pick up uh, is a little bit of good news, actually, from June uh, the 27th, which was uh, last Thursday as we record here. Um, We saw the introduction of the EU Cybersecurity Act. It didn't really kind of set um, as much a light as maybe most people were expected, but it's effectively a rebranding uh, exercise for Enisa, E N I S A. They're going to be now known as the EU Cybersecurity Agency, which uh, well maybe a bit more catchy than Enisa, which uh, some people probably will be aware of, but maybe don't really know what they do. Um, the EU Cybersecurity Act has quite a lot of detail in what it actually is going to involve for an ESA but just to pick a few highlights, it will enable businesses to present, detect and respond to incidents by offering some advice, um, some research initiatives, assisting in the assessment of incidents and vulnerabilities and also supervising cybersecurity exercises and enabling uh, EU-wide cybersecurity certification. Uh, it also kind of, it basically reinforces Anissa's role as a supervisory agency for European cybersecurity and this is according to our story which went up last week, it will become an independent centre of expertise that will help promote awareness of citizens and businesses. Um, we're just, uh, well, I guess that's sort of a month and about maybe six weeks post the first anniversary of the GDPR so it's quite positive because after a year after GDPR, we've now got an agency in Europe with oversight for cybersecurity affairs for the whole continent and um, the regulation states that there is a need for a comprehensive set of measures um, if I think is is, is an east the right organization to do this well time will tell um, I guess the big problem here is our business is going to get involved with this so they can actually understand what's the right thing about this and and um, how does it
0: move forward? We'll have to wait and see. I think time only tell on that. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. Definitely, like you say, definitely some good news there. Definitely from the European angle, anyway. And it will be interesting to see how that goes. But maybe some news that wasn't so great this week as well. Again, affecting um, Europe. Um, uh, and that was the news that nearly half of CISOs in the UK, France, and Germany believe they're losing the skills race with cyber criminals. Uh, that's according to some research from Semantic. So that old, uh, you know, the topic of the skills shortage and, and, and skills problem continues to keep coming up. Symantec um, Semantic teamed up with London's Goldsmith University to poll over three thousand IT uh, security decision makers across those three countries, um, and Fountain. Interesting findings, really. So, over two fifths, so 44%, uh, claim their teams lack the necessary skills to tackle threats effectively, and 37% said they are overwhelmed with heavy workloads. Although these figures drop to 38 and 23 in the UK, respectively. So, the UK doing slightly better than, than, than France and Germany, but still, you know, relatively high figures, I guess. Um, Again, similar numbers claim that their teams are too busy to keep up with skills development. That was forty-six percent, and forty-five percent saying the techn- technological chale- uh, change is happening too quickly for them to adapt. Um, again, figures slightly lower in the UK at 30, thirty-nine and thirty-seven percent than Germany and France, but even still, figures to, to of note. Um, Goldsmith Director of Innovation Chris Brewer. Argued that talent and skills are now the most important weapons in the cyber arms race. Uh, he went on to say the vast majority find this battle of wits an exciting and deeply intellectual challenge. But this demanding work comes with high stakes and is fought at a frenetic pace with little support. Add to this the relentless volume of alerts and more mundane tasks, and the job can quickly turn toxic. Highly stressed workers are far more likely to be disengaged and ultimately quit. In an industry already played with a skills shortage, this is a significant risk to businesses. It's a very interesting. I think you know it shows down that you know this the skills shortage. You know we've been talking about and discussing it for for a few years now. Um, doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon, and we still keep talking about it. Yeah, it's looking at some of those statistics again. The figures um,
1: were were actually quite quite, quite sort of satisfactory. Twenty three percent of people said that overwhelmed with heavy workloads in the UK. I'm sure there's 77% somewhere saying, um, you know, actually, I'm quite overwhelmed, but I didn't get a chance to comment. But um, 37% are overwhelmed. I mean, actually, that's actually quite a lot of, of 3,000 people actually saying they're overwhelmed. Um, but they don't have time to keep up with skills development and it's technological change is going to happen too quickly. So, yeah, it, it's kind of a concern really. It's almost like sort of doing the, the, the job you've got to do and that's all you've really got the time to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we know. I think the latest latest figures is that the you know cyber security jobs shortages has reached reached about three million globe uh, globe pros. Um, I think in a mere that's around about one hundred and forty thousand. So, yeah, see how it goes, I guess. But another interesting topic that does keep uh, keep coming up. Mm. And one of the I guess one of the causes for sort of too
1: few people and technological change, is that people get attacked and. We had a, a couple of stories which ran in the last couple of weeks about Florida, um, two cities in the, the US state. Uh, both got hit by ransomware. People might have done a bit of a double take when they read the second one thinking, I've already read this. Why are you writing it again? Well, it were two very different stories, um, both but actually um, but very similar in the, what what actually happened. So it was uh, Lake City and Riviera Beach. Both got hit by ransomware. Both apparently it, by uh, Caused by phishing emails um, laden with some sort of ransomware. The details weren't hugely clear on either, and actually, the sort of point of, inf- of infection. But in the case of um, Lake City, it was certainly someone inside the company. Um, and uh, certainly in the case of Lake City, it left all the city's computer systems encrypted since it happened on June the 10th. And uh, the Riviera Beach also had a problem. Now, what's the big story here is that both cases, both cities' uh, councils, I guess, Paid off the attackers actually. So um, the uh, Lake City one said they chose to pay the four hundred and sixty thousand pounds ransom. The mayor Stephen Witt said their insurance will cover all of it except for ten thousand dollars. That's according to CBS Action News. Jacks uh, Riviera Beach, which was just slightly ahead uh, a few days before that, they they paid six hundred thousand after it was voted uh, unanimously to pay off the hackers by the city council. Who uh, had already spent one a uh, nine hundred grand on uh, new computers, so brings the outlay for Riviera Beach to one point five million. Uh, so yeah, two thirds of what they'd already spent on new computers, they then paid again in getting the computers unlocked. So it's quite a big deal here, eh? and actually, because um, we've seen so much advice saying don't pay ransomware, don't pay the ransom if you get hit by ransomware. Um, in the case of Mayor, where he said he was advised after speaking with the FBI. So you to know it's quite a big deal here, actually. So, yeah, and also we've seen quite a lot of US cities hit with ransomware in the last couple of years. So even though we talked about death of ransomware in the
0: past, mm-hmm. it's everything but dead. It's still, still kicking around, still causing lots of trouble. Yeah, it's an interesting angle, like you say, Dan. Obviously, you know, we see so much of the organisation angle being hit by ransomware. But like you say, you know, we are seeing you know cities and, and, and states and councils being hit now, and I wonder whether maybe that's a slightly different uh, reaction that needs to be put in place. You know, like you say, paying the ransom here, maybe in that respect, there's no other choice. Maybe there's so much information that actually you actually need to, to get on where you you know, you're talking about, you know, a, a statewide or a city wide place. Um, maybe it's just a, a different story than you would see for an enterprise. And yeah, maybe that's why the advice they were given where to pay. Yeah.
1: I think that's the case. I think it's just it's it seems like a very big deal. If that's the case, the best advice is to actually just go ahead and give the money over, especially with the case of the uh, Riviera Beach. That's, that's 1.5 million. And one thing the mayor uh, of Lake City said is actually this will um, cover by... Um, uh, this will basically affect uh, insurance premiums for residents. So actually, then the residents of uh, Lake City are going to end up only pay the premiums for this mm. and cover the costs. So um, do check out the video which we can li- we've linked to from our, our story on this, and you can see some of the uh, residents'
0: reaction. there. not too happy, as you can probably imagine. Mm. Okay, great. Well, there's a few pieces of our top news stories from the last week or so, but now we're going to have a look at a few other stories that have come to light, which maybe didn't. Uh, did enter your usual uh, security news headlines, but we thought they were definitely worth a look, uh, worth a look and a bit of discussion. Uh, Dan, do you want to kick us off with that? Yeah, it's it's more, well, I call it ransomware so much, but certainly
1: being held to ransom. Uh, two stories which kind of relate around that. One uh, relates to the UK rock band Radiohead. They um, Someone managed to get a lot of, uh, of demo tapes, which were from the making of their 1997 album OK Computer, and held them to uh, ransom to Radiohead. However, they had the last lock because they just thought, well, right? Well, obviously, you know, we know about some Radiohead's politics. They decided to release them all and uh, release them for free. And uh, if you wanted to pay any money for them, they went to the Extinction Rebellion, cam- rebellion campaign. So, yeah, sometimes you can sort of try and win your win the confidence back just by, sort of, uh, you know, kind of in their bluff. And also a very similar related story. This was according to CNN Entertainment. Um, Bella Thorne, she said some nude photos of herself. Uh, this was in mid-June after Hacker's Threatened her, said they'd got them and they were going to release them. So she released her own ones. So uh, we've talked here about um, city councils paying hackers off, uh, but in the case of Radiohead and Bella Thorne, they've sort of taken the uh, called their bluff and decided to go ahead and do it themselves. And uh, well, obviously, I don't recommend either <laughs> sort of strategy. But uh, I think in the case here, actually, uh, it's quite an interesting way of doing things. So um, yeah, good on sort of Radiohead and Bella Thorne for sort of taking the upper hand and actually going ahead with this.
0: Mm. Sure. Another interesting uh, well, bit of news that we, we came across uh, involved NASA. Now um, uh, some findings and some research came to light that NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory um, actually suffered a, a breach in 2018 that was so severe that it had to uh, disconnect the lab's network. But the interesting thing is it all came about because of a rogue Raspberry Pi. Now as far as I understand you know, a Raspberry Pi is a very very small Credit card-sized uh, uh, small computer that you'd plug into other devices. Um, I thought it was very interesting that you know organizations such as NASA, known for its you know in, in, incredible technology and forward-thinking technology for, for for sure, has suffered a breach for for just such a menial means as a as a rogue Raspberry Pi. Um, uh, amazing. It does bring. It does uh, suggest that you know. The, no matter how large a company you are, um, how sophisticated your technology is, you still have to put your focus in that kind of the basics of network security, making sure that every device you've got is secure, whether it's, um, whether it's, it's worth thousands and thousands of pounds or, or whether it's worth a few few quid, I guess. Yeah, anything can sort of if it's got any kind of memory
1: power, I suppose, can be used to uh, conduct some sort of attack. And if you're able to plug it in and and infect a company, something that's been the case in several fiction uh, examples, Mister Robot. Some of like you might think of where he managed to infect uh, the Data Records company with a Raspberry Pi. But with um, with NASA, it does seem unlikely. But then it's talking about a big organisation, lots of offices, lots of network uh, nodes, endpoints. You know, they're probably as, as lacking visibility uh, sort of issues as everybody else is, so...
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was noted that uh, it was uh, poor network um, segmentation in the lab's network gateway that enabled an attacker to, uh, to do uh, what he did. Uh, it was also noted that network admins failed to deal with log tickets, highlighting the potential security vulnerabilities, sometimes for longer than 180 days, so I guess it just comes back to that kind of it's kind of very doing the simple things well is is just as important as as doing the um, more complicated things certainly when it comes to security and and keeping an eye on, on what's happening in the network
1: sure and it's uh, well it's probably embarrassing more of anything else than that so, cuz a lot of people did talk about it but mm. I'm sure they'll get
0: over it yeah I'm sure <laughs> yeah Okay, so we've got a few minutes left, so we're going to have a quick look now at a few, well, something very interesting, very exciting hour end for sure to start with, which is obviously our next online summit event. Now that's uh, taking place the 24th and 25th of September, and we've been hard at work here um, building that agenda and building all the content that we want to uh, explore over those Two days. Dan, I know you've got some great topics lined up for the sessions that you're moderating.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be looking at uh, compliance on the first day as well as also building brand infosec and looking to sort of kind of communicate your security strategy to your business. So, a couple of sessions there. And also on the second day, I'm going to be looking at a uh, concept of diversity in cybersecurity and also uh, benchmarking your security uh, sort of position within the company and how to make sure you know what you're doing is right. So each time we do the online summit, we try and look for what are the trending topics and uh, hopefully we're taking a few. What about you, Michael? What Yes, yeah,
0: so I've got a few um, sessions lined up. So I'll be exploring uh, Zero Trust and the role that that's kind of playing and the continuing role that it's playing. And again, I, I guess, you know, looking at the NASA story there, you know, securing the network. Um, Having a look at the role of AI in security and really pinning that apart and looking at, okay, well what are the benefits, but what are the potential drawbacks or even is there you know, too much hype around AI in security um, it's causing more confusion than good? Also looking at uh, some top tips for hiring and keeping uh, security staff. I guess you know harking back to that story we discussed earlier, the skill shortage, obviously companies are, are still struggling to find and keep uh, the best security staff. So. We're going to be exploring that. So that's 24th and 25th of September. Um, you, you can now register for that event on our website. So please do register for that. And uh, yeah, secure your place nice and early. Yeah, and as well as that, also, we've uh, we've been a few a few things since the last time we did a
1: podcast. Um, probably most notably for sort of the amount of time it took out of I was InfoSecurity Europe. That was uh, 4th to the 6th of June. So uh, sort of almost a month ago as we're recording. Um, it was quite a good one. was my eleventh consecutive, actually. So I'm, I'm seeing the changes there. But I, well, what was your main takeaway, Michael? It's going to be you first.
0: Well, it was certainly a busy, a busy event like always. Lots to, lots to see and do. Uh, we were very busy uh, filming, doing you know, like panels, weren't we? And kind of really, really speaking to a variety of different experts and getting their take on some of the top. Top trends and top challenges affecting the industry. Um, I had a great panel exploring cyber awareness. A, a bit of a theme for me from the show was that cyber awareness is getting better, but it still comes down to the fact that the, the, the spend or the cyber spend on, on cyber awareness still isn't enough. What it needs to be um, still seems to be one of those things which is a nice to have instead of an essential. Which I think it really needs to be now. It's really focusing on one of the best strategies for, you know, raising awareness across a company. Um, How about yourself, Dan? Um, We did a few things actually on digital
1: transformation and and sort of vulnerability management. It seems to be quite a key part of the of the show this year. I did a a panel with Qualys around digital transformation and um, I was also on the keynote stage talking about vulnerabilities and risk and yeah personally I we we also launched our Infosecurity magazine state of cybersecurity report this was the second year running we've done this and um, yeah almost a month in figure download figures are are really good but it's still available to download it's free to download Um, and you can get it from the uh, website as well as a bit more information we've written about it but um, yeah I mean Infosec was good it's always a good show it was uh, uh, first week of June, it wasn't exactly cold in there. <laughs> I remember being quite hot a lot of the time because it's with a glass roof. It's always quite warm. But there's great, great people there. Really good to be able to walk around and see a lot of the people we uh, we interact with quite yeah you know, fairly frequently, both from a user perspective and also the vendors as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, and speaking of events, uh, more recently I actually went along and attended the Digital Identity Summit event that was over in uh, Kings Cross. Um, Really good day of events, uh, and uh, the kind of the real kind of takeaway theme of that uh, that event for me was around fraud, and particularly online fraud, and looking at how online fraud really has evolved. Um, um, become far more sophisticated, more com- more complex, and uh, particularly interesting, the rise of new fraud opportunities as new uh, industries have kind of come along. Um, the example that stuck in my mind from the day was the ride-sharing industry. You know, think apps like Uber. Um, even that is giving is giving birth to new new fraud opportunities that didn't exist five or six years ago before these kind of industries did. So. Just a real takeaway there is that you know online fraud is continuing to uh, adapt and evolve and becoming ever more complex.
1: Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. And yeah, certainly the ride the ride sharing thing's got a. Lot of coverage over the last kind of twelve months around um, around the fraud, and, it. and also we, I went to the Octa forum. This was on the um, the eighteenth of June, um, which was down at uh, Blackfriars in Central London. And speaking there was the CEO of Okta, Todd McKinnon. He he was talking quite heavily about trust uh, in cybersecurity, and he focused quite a lot on um, a lack of trust what enables to reach us. Uh, won't enable us to reach its potential, we need to trust the new frontier as a real technology company so it does fit in with that concept of uh, Uber and the rest and Lyft and companies like that, actually they're technology companies, they're not They're not taxi companies anymore and uh, the likes of Airbnb and eBay and um, Just Eat and all these companies, they're technology companies and it's all about the trust. And he said, here, connect people to technology and get identity right and solve the trust problem. So, yeah, well, that was a good day. It was, um, it was quite a brief sort of sessions, really. Quite a few customer presentations and quite a lot of strategies and ways of working. But, uh, yeah, thanks to Okta for having me, really.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, there we are, Dan. I think we're pretty much out of time for this episode. So we'll look to wrap things up there. Uh, so a big thank you to you all for listening to this episode. And make sure you do catch us again uh, soon. Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast.